Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? In yesterday's podcast, we discovered Jesus' heart to manifest himself when we welcome little children in his name. Today, we're going to be seeing how Jesus also promises and communicates how he is present and manifests in our unity. This is Jesus present in our unity, Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. Jesus speaking here in verse 15 says this, If your brother sins against you, or just sins, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree upon anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. This is such a beautiful passage, such a beautiful promise. And it's very interesting because in the Gospels, the church is hardly mentioned at all. So much of Jesus' ministry is talking about the kingdom. The church had been introduced in Matthew 16 when Jesus had conferred to Peter the promised keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And it speaks about the binding and loosing power. Jesus is continuing here to expound upon the role of the church, the ecclesia, the assembly of called out ones. And I want to take us through because I know in my own life, I have failed at this progression multiple times. I can't tell you how many times I skipped step one and went on to step two. Instead of going directly to a person to talk to them about their sins generally or their sins against me, it felt safer to go talk to somebody else about it. Uh, Whether just to get it off my chest and to just talk it through, unfortunately sometimes in gossip, or whether I was trying to get another person to come into the situation and to help me in a way that was not godly and not the order of operations that Jesus clearly lays out. Here's what he says. If the brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Why do we show people their fault? We're wanting to help them to have the greatest relationship with God whom they sin against and ourselves whom they sin against, and anyone else. God is zealous for perfection. In fact, he literally has a day of judgment coming where he will bring fire on all the heavens and the earth, like with Noah and the flood, where water destroyed all living beings, except for Noah and those on the ark. 
in the same way as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. He will baptize the earth in fire. Everything that keeps us back from perfect relationship will be destroyed with his burning zeal. Now, we want to be careful to recognize that he hosts that zeal of perfection in perfection. Perfect love, perfect grace, perfect wisdom. For us, when someone sins against us, we oftentimes are much more zealous about our reputation and our feelings than we are zealous to help them get the best. So I want to encourage us, as Jesus invites us to go in to talk to someone about where they're failing, Let's ask him for such a maturity of love that our focus is completely on serving them and helping them, whether it's a sin against us or another. We go, and if they're able to listen, you've won them over. Have you ever been one that's been corrected where someone is trying to expose to you that there's a better way for you and you just can't hear I've had that happen many times, and I am so appreciative of those that didn't go and try to tell everybody else my faults, nor did they try to get a crew to come and beat me up about my sin, but they went to me first. They invited me to listen first, and when I couldn't hear them and my ears were deaf, they brought others that I trusted and that I knew that could speak it from a different vantage point and confirm that I was the blind one. I was the one that couldn't see my sin. Verse 16, when you take two, one or two others... You follow that pattern that God the Father laid out in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 19.15, which Jesus is quoting. In a court of law, you don't just take one testimony to confirm that someone's guilty. You want to make sure that it's collectively seen by the community to make sure that there's not false judgments proclaimed. What a powerful thing that God invites us to judge one another. One of the greatest strongholds in the American culture is the lie that it's bad to judge one another. The scripture multiple times actually commands us to discern things and at times to judge things. Now, we need to know where our authority lies and our responsibility lies. We need to have pure motives and we need to do it in a spirit of wisdom according to biblical pattern. But if we follow the American way, we will be without discernment, as many are, without clarity, without freedom, without purity on a personal and a communal level, which is what has begun to take over our society. If the person, like me, doesn't listen when there's a second or a third that's confirming the point, then you tell it to the church. This is bringing it to the assembly of the called out ones, to the leadership of this assembly instituted by God, so that the community as a whole can faithfully and righteously mirror back to the person their sin for the sake of their freedom. In the scripture, it says that if someone is engaged in sexual morality and if someone confronts them and they are not repentant, not responsive, There is prescriptions in the scripture to not even eat with these people. Now, that's not people that are not followers of Christ. 
Paul says that you'd have to leave the world if you're going to try to avoid sin. He's rather saying, no, go out, love those in sin, those that are sleeping around, sexually immoral. He's saying, be present. But if someone's professing the name of Christ, wearing the name of Jesus, and believing that they're in a proper relationship with God, but their lifestyle demonstrates opposite, the best thing an individual friend, brother or sister in the Lord or a church can do is to help the person not remain in self-deception. When you hear the word but don't do it, you deceive yourselves. And so Jesus is giving them the solution and the medicine. You need to treat this person like a pagan or a tax collector. They are not included in the covenant community if they do not have ears to hear the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to confirm that they actually have this authority. So he says in verse 18, I tell you the truth. I'm not making this up. I'm not being extreme. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The actual grammatic, uh, the grammar in the Greek is will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. It's the same as in Matthew 16. And what Jesus is doing, he's promoting their delegated liberty of decision making telling them that you have a binding power and a loosing power where you have an authority on earth to make decisions on my behalf. But he anchors it in delegated authority. It doesn't say just whatever you bind will be bound. It's whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. What is that? It's when an assembly is in agreement with what heaven is doing. And then they agree and they bind it on earth. They are agreeing and manifesting heaven's perspective. If heaven says that the sexually immoral cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, then when we do not allow the sexually immoral that are unrepentant to presume that they're in the kingdom, functioning in the kingdom by how we put up boundaries as a church, we are in fact manifesting and releasing how heaven is positioned. Now, this calls for extraordinary wisdom, extraordinary unity, and it must be done in love and in truth. Jesus continues to unpack even greater dimensions of this promise. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree upon anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Think of a church plant in a nation where there's no believers, and literally you have three Jesus-loving followers, and they form a house church. Let's say there's only two of them. Jesus begins at the lowest common denominator, the ecclesia. The church begins with two or even three. Just as the Trinity is one but three parts, God says when one responds, it's just a believer. But when you have two that respond, they make up an expression of the Trinity on earth as it is in heaven. 
Now, if these two or three people are going shopping in their own name, if they are even meeting to read the Bible, but it's really in their own name and for their own glory, they're not positioned to hear and see what's been bound and loosed in heaven. And so they can't operate in the authority or the accuracy in what they try to do on earth. And a huge part of that is because when they're going for their own glory, they don't host the presence of Jesus. Verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Jesus knows that he's going to leave earth physically, but he's wanting to institute the patterns, the faith, and the wisdom to the disciples that they would recognize the authority they have from him, and yet they would be anchored back to him as the king, and that they would know how to host and receive his headship of the church. Christ is indeed the head of the church where you don't have the head manifesting. You have just a bunch of humans doing a bunch of earthly realm things, but they're not releasing what heaven is releasing nor binding what heaven is binding. What a beautiful promise to us. And I want to really encourage us to get a vision for how unified we can be with one another. To get a vision for how we can be responsive when we're sinning or distant from others and they confront us, direct, or they add in other witnesses. God wants us to see how transformed we can be as our loved ones correct us and help us grow, as we speak the truth and love to others. We can literally begin to come together and form a unity that reflects the Trinity on earth and partners with the Trinity on earth to bind and release, releasing heaven and limiting the demonic realms on earth so that his kingdom could come and his will could be done on earth is as it is in heaven. The prayer prompt for today is this, Jesus, what do you want me to bind slash release on earth and with whom should I do it? Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, that lowest common denominator. They went out proclaiming his name, operating in his name, and his presence is to go with us even now. I encourage you to listen in and see if there's something that God is wanting you to release and bind in prayer and proclamation and action, and he will give you a second, a third, or others to join with you on the mission. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by his spirit who indeed is this Jesus. Thank you.